This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode three, How to Faithfully Navigate Doubt. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to episode three of the Stand with Lynette podcast. I feel really honored that you're back with me today, and I hope that you hear something that will help you in your life in some way, that will strengthen you, that will help you to gain a different perspective, think about something differently. I realize, I'm just going to say this up front, I realize that the topic for today may make some people a little bit uncomfortable. We're going to talk about doubt, about navigating doubt, about some things that I'm seeing happening in the world that are concerning for me in the realm of doubt. And my goal is not to call anyone out. My goal is not to make people feel uncomfortable. Those are never my goal, ever. Those are never my goals. My goal is to shine light into some corners that might be a little bit dark. I want to bring the big picture back into view and offer a perspective that's maybe different on questions, on doubts, and things that don't make sense in the realm of the gospel. So if you find yourself squirming a little bit with something that I say, I invite you to try to keep an open mind and stick with me. Try to stick with me till the end of the episode and allow for the possibility of an aha moment or a perspective that you maybe have yet to consider. With that in mind, I want to start off by telling you about an experience that I had a few weeks ago. And within the course of four or five days, I had two different friends reach out to me. Neither of these friends are in my ward. They both live in completely different areas, but they both reached out to me with the same concern. They said, Lynette, it feels like it's becoming less and less popular to believe, even within the church. And they mentioned, both of them mentioned social media accounts, all run by church members, that seem to reinforce doubt rather than to strengthen faith. Admittedly, I am extremely picky about who I follow on social media, and I don't follow accounts that cause me to feel anything other than uplifted. So I wasn't familiar with a lot of these accounts that they were talking about, but I did a little investigating. And I am not going to throw any particular accounts or people under the bus. That is not my place and that is not my desire. But after reading and watching several posts from different people, all members of the church with pretty significant followings on social media, and I dove into the comment sections on some of these posts, and I got strong vibes of the following ideas. Number one, the gospel doesn't need to be an all or nothing gospel. It can be like a buffet table where you get to pick and choose which principles and doctrines you believe and or follow. Number two, publicly discussing doubts or concerns about the church is encouraged and even celebrated. 
Number three, free thinking is superior to obedience or following the commandments or the prophet. It felt like doubt, not faith, was the focus of these communities. In fact, faith transition was a phrase that repeatedly surfaced as I read through some of these some of these things. And in the context of these posts, the faith transition was referring to transitioning from long-held Latter-day Saint beliefs to another version of faith that felt more correct or comfortable to that person. I saw little talk of Jesus Christ on these accounts. Most of the conversation was centered around the three things that I mentioned above. The, the buffet gospel, publicly discussing concerns about the church is encouraged and free thinking is superior to obedience and following the commandments and the prophet. So let me be really clear from the beginning, really crystal clear. I want you to understand this. So listen carefully. I do not believe that having questions and or doubts about church history, about policy, about culture or doctrine is wrong or sinful or bad. Again, I do not believe that having questions, doubts, or concerns about the church is wrong. I don't. We will all experience our share of doubts and questions at some point in our lives, at some point in our journeys, because we're mortal, because we're human, because we have working brains that think about things. Some of us think deeper than others. Some of us have more questions than others. I believe we come wired that way. This is how our brains work. And we don't know the meaning of all things. We just don't. So I believe that questions are good. They can lead to greater understanding and growth. And we are all at different places on our path back to Jesus. And that is totally okay. We can be wherever we are on the path and he will meet us where we are and we can meet each other where we are. So this is not, I am not here to, to say that questions, doubts, concerns are wrong. They're not. And in fact, I have a very personal story that I want to share with you that happened in my life many, many years ago. A little bit of background on me. I was born and raised in the church. My ancestry goes back to Kirtland, to Nauvoo, to all of these early settlements of the church, to early Salt Lake City. Some of my ancestors were personal dear friends of the prophet Joseph. So the church runs in my blood. The gospel runs in my blood way back, way back to the earliest days. And so I was always taught about the gospel. I believe I was blessed with the gift of faith. I always just believed. I believed. And I had experiences with the Spirit that reinforced that belief all through my growing up years. And then I got married and my husband and I moved our young family from Utah. I was born in Utah, raised in Arizona, went back to Utah for school and was there for six years. And then we moved, my husband and I and our two little kids from Utah to our, from our little sheltered life to Ohio. 
And I went through a bit of a period of culture shock when we moved to Ohio. And I had never seen people living the way that people in Ohio lived because I grew up in Gilbert, Arizona, which is like mini Utah, and then had spent my my college years at BYU. So this stuff was not, people were different there. And not that that was a bad thing, but it sort of shocked me. And then my husband was very soon after we moved to Ohio, he was called to be the ward mission leader in our ward. So we often had missionaries in and out of our home teaching discussions. And there was one particular time that they were teaching a Muslim man. And so they had him in our home for several discussions. And I remember sitting in on those discussions and hearing this man talk about what he believed about Jesus Christ, which in his faith tradition, Jesus was a good man who did a lot of good things. And he was a prophet, but he was not the son of God. He was not the savior of the world. So that was very different from what I believed as a Christian, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ growing up in the gospel. And it got me thinking It got me thinking as I listened to somebody else explain his belief of Jesus Christ that was so different from mine, I thought, well, what if he's right? What if he's right and I'm wrong? There are so many people in the world, and I think I realized this for the first time at that point, that don't believe like I do, that believe completely different things than I do. So what makes me right? How do I know that what I have believed my whole life is not just a good story? What if it's not true at all? And it rocked my testimony to the core. And for a while, I wrestled with some pretty big questions about the church and everything that I had always believed. Was Jesus Christ even my savior? Or was he just a good man? Or was he a prophet? What about Joseph Smith and the restoration? Did it really happen? Were the gold plates that became the Book of Mormon really given to Joseph by an angel? So I wrestled. And there was a time where I could not get up and say that I knew the church was true. I couldn't even get up and say that I believed it was true because I didn't know what to believe. And it scared me like nothing I'd ever experienced up to that point. So I turned to the scriptures, I turned to the words of prophets, and I turned to my knees. And one night, as I was praying, I had a really simple thought that was accompanied by an overwhelming abundance of the Spirit. And the thought was, Lynette, you already know it's true. And then at that point, I thought back to everything that I had experienced up to that point in my young life. And I was only in my early 20s, but I knew that I had felt the Spirit in undeniable ways. God had confirmed to me through the Holy Ghost that Joseph Smith was indeed the prophet of the Restoration. And because of that, the Book of Mormon was true. I had experienced miraculous answers to prayers while studying the revelations found in the Doctrine and Covenants. The Spirit had testified to me of the truthfulness of the gospel time and time again. And as I relived those experiences in my mind, it became abundantly clear that God had always met me in my closet and in my wilderness, and he was doing it again with one simple thought. Lynette, you already know it's true. And that changed everything for me. Have I had doubts or concerns or questions about certain aspects of the church since then? 
Yes. Again, that's part of having a human brain. But for me, it always comes back to that quiet whisper in an Ohio apartment. You already know. And that's enough. That's enough. It allows me to hold space for my questions, for my doubts, for my concerns, without allowing them to erode my faith. Because I have had undeniable experiences with the Spirit and have spent a lifetime working to develop my faith. So if you have questions or concerns about the gospel, I see you. I have been you. And being in that place of uncertainty was uncomfortable at times and heart-wrenching at others. Back in those days, for me, social media did not even exist when I was wrestling with my faith. And I am beyond grateful for that. Because being in a place of questioning the very fabric of everything I had ever believed was so challenging when only my husband and the Lord knew of my struggle. I was forced at that point to my knees, to the scriptures, and to the words of prophets and other church leaders in my seeking. I did not have online communities of other members in a state of faith transition, reinforcing my doubts while saying little of faith in Jesus Christ. I truly believe that had I been involved in that type of a community during those volatile days, it would have been infinitely more difficult for me to hear the quiet voice of the Spirit. And without that, I'm not sure where I would have ended up. So because I have been there, I wonder if publicly rehearsing and even celebrating doubts on a forum like social media amplifies those doubts, rather than helping us connect with God and hear the still small voice of the Spirit amid all the noise. Because like it or not, social media is a very noisy place. Now, everybody is on their own journey, and maybe there are people who find solace in online communities that validate their concerns as they navigate uncertainty and figure out where they stand. And if it leads them away from the church, maybe they need that time away to deconstruct and rebuild their faith. I am not the judge, and it is not my place to dictate the direction of another person's faith journey. But with so much talk of doubt circulating and so many people going through faith transitions and or leaving the church, how can those of us who desire to believe reinforce our faith? In Mark chapter 9, there is a story that pulls at my heartstrings every time I read it. It's a story of a father who was desperate for help for his son, and he came seeking the Savior. This son, ever since he was very young, had been afflicted with a condition that caused him to throw himself in both fire and water. And as his father brought him to the master healer, the boy threw himself on the ground, foaming at the mouth. And this father begged the Lord to have compassion on them. And Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And this desperate and determined father cried out through his tears, Lord, I believe. And in the very next breath, he said, Help thou mine unbelief. 
Have we not all been there? Wanting to believe with our whole hearts, but not knowing how. Have we not all come to a point in our lives where we do not know what to believe when questions, doubts, fears, or troubles weighed heavy upon our minds? Have we not all sought to be whole, complete, and unwavering in our lives and in our faith? Have we not all wished we could sit at the Savior's feet and ask for a miracle and that he would bless us with enough faith to receive it? But what if we don't have to have perfect faith to have access to God's power? What if we only need to have a desire to believe? Jesus performed a miracle and healed a boy whose whole life had been spent throwing himself into both fire and water, foaming at the mouth, and other moments of equal desperation. The Savior healed him because his father had a desire to believe, even though his faith was imperfect. And he can do the same for us. Russell M. Nelson, in his April 2021 General Conference Address, told us how we can nurture our desire to believe and grow our faith. He said, quote, Through your faith, Jesus Christ will increase your ability to move the mountains in your life, even though your personal challenges may loom as large as Mount Everest. Your mountains may be loneliness, doubt, illness, or other personal problems. Your mountains will vary, and yet the answer to each of your challenges is to increase your faith. That takes work. To do anything well requires effort. Becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ is no exception. Close quote. He then gave five suggestions for increasing faith, which I'm going to share with you. Number one is to study, to seek to understand the scriptures, Christ's ministry, his doctrine, the power of the atonement, and how it applies to your life. He said to learn how Christ can work miracles by studying miracles in the scriptures. Have miracles ceased because Christ is no longer on the earth? No, they still happen. Christ can still work miracles in our lives. So, study about miracles and learn how that can become a reality for you. Number two is to choose to believe. He said, quote, if you have doubts about God, the father and his beloved son, or the validity of the restoration or the veracity of Joseph Smith's divine calling as a prophet, choose to believe and stay faithful. Take your questions to the Lord and to other faithful sources. Study with the desire to believe rather than with the hope that you can find a flaw in the fabric of a prophet's life or a discrepancy in the scriptures. Stop increasing your doubts by rehearsing them with other doubters. Allow the Lord to lead you on your journey of spiritual discovery. Close quote. I think that is powerful, very powerful, that we have a choice whether we believe or whether we don't. We can choose to believe and hold on tight to those beliefs until the answers to our questions come. And I love that he says, stop increasing your doubts by rehearsing them with other doubters. Again, this goes back to those social media communities that were rehearsing doubts over and over again. I don't think that is helpful. I know it wouldn't have been helpful for me when I was dealing with my own doubts. I needed something else. I needed a bigger dose of the spirit 
not validation that my doubts are valid. We're valid. Okay, number three, act in faith. He said, quote, what would you do if you had more faith? Think about it, write about it, then receive more faith by doing something that requires more faith, close quote. What requires more faith in your life? Do that thing. Do that thing and watch your faith grow. Okay, number four, partake of sacred ordinances worthily. He said, quote, ordinances unlock the power of God for your life, close quote. And then five, ask your heavenly father in the name of Jesus Christ for help. Because it takes work to develop faith, it also takes time. It's a journey of a lifetime, and we do not need to understand all things or be without questions or doubts to get started. From one who has been there, my advice to you, if you're there now, would be this. Hold space for your questions. You don't need to bury them. You don't need to ignore them. Just become a seeker. Seek for the answers to those questions. Seek for truth with the intent to understand and to believe. Again, questions are not problems. They are invitations for further understanding. They can unlock the mysteries of God to you as you seek for those answers. But keep in mind too that not all questions have easy or straightforward answers. We may seek for a lifetime for some answers that we never get. And as Sherry Dew taught in her book, Worth the Wrestle, so good, by the way, absolutely recommend it. She says, quote, although the Lord will reveal many things to us, he has never told his covenant people everything about everything. We are admonished to doubt not, but be believing. But doubting not does not mean understanding everything. It means not doubting that God knows more than we do, close quote. Okay, drop the mic. Drop the mic. God knows more than we do. He is the master chess player. He has the whole board in front of him. He knows which moves are next. He knows how to get us to the finish line. He knows the obstacles we're going to have to face in the meantime. So trusting in that will help us. Sometimes I think we believe in Jesus Christ we believe in him, but do we believe him? Do we believe him when he says, follow me? That means he knows the way. He knows the way to get us safely there. Do we believe him when he says that he can give us peace in troubled times? Do we believe that his promises will work for us as individuals? And if we believe him, can we trust him enough to hold tight to our faith, when the winds blow, when doubt creeps in, when questions come up, knowing that through him, everything will eventually be made right. As we move closer to the second coming of the Savior, it will become more difficult to discern truth from error. And with that, it's going to become easier to find reasons to doubt. Most of us will at one point or another question all or part of our faith. But what will anchor us during those times and always? Will we be anchored to our testimony of the Savior and his divine mission to save us from a fallen world? Will we be anchored to his words in the scriptures? 
Will we be anchored to spiritual experiences we have had throughout our lives where the Holy Ghost has powerfully testified to our hearts of the gospel truth and of God's love for us? Have you had experiences like that in your life that you can cling to when the waters get rough? President Ezra Taft Benson back in December of 1988 said this, and I love it so, so, so much, and I hope you will too. He said, quote, nothing is going to startle us more when we pass through the veil to the other side than to realize how well we know the Father and how familiar his face is to us. God loves us. He is watching us. He wants us to succeed. We will know someday that he has not left one thing undone for the eternal welfare of each of us. If we only knew it, heavenly hosts are pulling for us. Friends in heaven that we cannot now remember who yearn for our victory. This is our day to show what we can do, what life and sacrifice we can daily, hourly, instantly make for God. If we give our all, we will get his all from the greatest of all. Close quote. God loves us, my friends. He's got it all figured out. Can we trust him with the muddiness of mortality? All that is unclear now will eventually make sense. So I invite you to hold your faith like the lifeline that it is. Together, let's push forward through questions and doubts until we can see what's on the other side of them. Let's remember that God's love and the sacrifice of his only begotten son and what that makes possible for each one of us. How is the atonement applicable to each of us? Does it help us in our time of doubt, of questioning, of worrying if maybe everything that we've believed our whole life is true? Yes, yes, he will meet us in that place. He is a God of miracles. And if the only miracle we ever experience is the one that takes place when we choose to allow our hearts to be forever bound to him, that will be enough. That will be enough to get us through. So together, let's stand. Faith intact, holding on to each other, holding on to the promises that we have made, the covenants that we have made and the reality of Jesus Christ and everything that he can do for us now and in the future and forever into eternity. All right, my friends, your shine challenge for this week is to write down at least one spiritual experience you have had in your life and what it has taught you about God's love for you. This is so you can refer to it when your faith feels dim. And you wonder if God hears or answers your prayers or if he even cares what's going on in your life. Refer back to that spiritual experience where you knew, where you knew, where God testified to you of his love for you and how he felt about you and his hopes and dreams for you and your life. So that's your shine challenge. I hope you will meet me back here again next time. I'm so happy that you're here. See you later. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. 
If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.